You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, it is the weekend. Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to EVH and Gear TV. We are live. Happy to be back. Happy to kick off the weekend with you. And tonight I'm joined by guitarist Chelsea Constable. Chelsea, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Real pleasure. Nice to have you for sure. I've been wanting to do this for quite some time. And uh, so first of all, we've got this booked and it's going to be a fun way to kick off the weekend. I, as you, I know you haven't seen a lot of my shows, but what I always tell people here is what we try to do is warm up the, uh, you know, warm up the weekend for everyone. So hopefully we'll be able to do that tonight with a little bit of uh, guitar insight from yourself. But I want to start by telling people how I discovered you and obviously being a Van Halen fan, you know, crazy, crazy Van Halen fan, searching everything we can possibly consume on Eddie Van Halen. You know, you're one of the ones that kept popping up and popping up, you know, in the searches all the time with your incredible, uh, well, first of all, cover and then which became a lesson eventually after and um, multi-part lesson on eruption. So I, uh, I, I want to thank you for putting that out there. And, and I think it's just absolutely amazing. I'd like to start by asking you, how long had you been working on, on eruption itself until you got to that point where you thought, okay, I'm going to let the cameras roll and record this and eventually turn it into a tutorial? Oh, well, uh, I was never really comfortable with my playing on it at any time. Um, eruption is one of those pieces that you can always go back to and don't matter how many times you've played it or how you've learned it, you always hear something different. Uh, when I was younger, I had a uh, little band, and we would close out the show by me coming out and playing Eruption. And so I would learn different transcriptions uh, from different guitar magazines that my dad had laying around and uh, try to do uh, the majority of the high spots, you know, like the tapping and the tremolo picking and all that. But then it got to where when I was a teenager, I really wanted to sit down and learn it the right way, how to really play this and, and nail it. But... Uh, it was just one of those pieces that kept eluding me uh, as far as trying to play it because of the phrasing and tonal-wise. But then uh, uh, I have a really good friend. His name is Kurt Mitchell. He does a lot of the instructional things, and me and him had talked talked about eruption for a while. And uh, also I had a great guitar teacher who is a fantastic... he, He does stuff by ear and breaks things down. His name is Terry McCoy. And so we went through that when I was a teenager, but also uh, I got introduced by some software called the Amazing Slowdowner. Put that in there, slowed it down myself, and went through it again before I'd done the stuff for the solo lesson series uh, for Gibson. And that video was kind of a rush product. The, the tone I wasn't as happy with and the playing still yet. Uh, I do plan on doing a different version for SIR guitars on all uh, SIR equipment, amps, pedals, uh, you name it, and trying to get it closer so this time I'm going to sit down and come back over it again and try to get through it. I like how you said, it was really cool how you said you've, you know, you learned a little bit more, so you went back and you kind of relearned it again, because that's something that comes up on the show a lot. As us as guitarists get a little bit better, we take instructions, whether we're self-taught or take lessons from other people, we get a little bit better. Eruption is that piece that we can say, okay, well, I can go back and now I can play this part that I couldn't play before. 
And you know what's really funny? As much as I love your tutorial, I, I hate it at the same time. And it's, 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 it's lighthearted. I don't mean that in a bad way. But because I, because I get a certain part that I learned, you know, watching someone else's tutorial, then I go watch yours and I'm like, oh, I'm not doing it right. And the parts I thought I was doing okay over here, then I watch you play it and I'm like, oh man. And you got to go back to the drawing board again because you've explained it the proper way. I, I find there's a few of them out that's out there that are really good. I put yours up on the pedestal for sure. Uh, Jamie Humphreys from Lick Library. Um, I like his stuff. Obviously, Pete Thorne. Pete Thorne had one of the first ones on YouTube, pretty close to it, you know, as far as, um, you know, back in the day before there was even anything like longer than 15 minute uploads. Uh, from oh, yeah. Is all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like even some of your old videos. It's in the four by three format, the old square, not HD. Uh, <laughs> a buddy of mine, Tyler Hodges, he's another one that does a really good uh, version as well too. So you take all those things, and like you said too, you had all these transcriptions from all these different magazines. I think you could honestly take fifteen transcriptions of Eruption, and probably fifteen of them are going to show you a different way to play it. Yeah, that's the frustrating part. So I just relied on uh, what my old guitar teacher had told me how to do and that was really listen to things and you know when you're driving down the road listening to a song you listen to it differently as if you was to sit down and pick up the guitar and start paying attention to every note that someone is playing so uh, as I said it, it's always a work in progress that piece is because as my playing matures I find that I might phrase something maybe more like Eddie, because mm -hmm. I get through the part better, as you were saying, um, and I always want to try to get the tone closer. That's that's the thing too. The notes are one thing, technique and feel are the another thing, and then the the sound, right? That sound sometimes is so hard. So yeah, you, we'll talk more about your version here shortly in the program. But when you're doing that, well, I think you're playing the one time you, you explained it on a Gibson Les Paul, but you played it on a Gibson Explorer, correct? Yes, I yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. It was. I have been through a lot of uh, equipment uh, over the years, and this is part of the mistake that you was mentioning earlier about the uh, Van Halen part of playing uh, pedals, pickups, amps, you name it. And I come to that conclusion one day while my dad and I were out at NAMM. I was actually performing out there, and uh, I performed uh, out at the uh, PV booth, and uh, Dweezil Zappa was coming on after me. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, he was doing sound check, and, and me and my dad was in there watching, and he was playing sections of Eruption. And me and my dad looked at each other and was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have never heard anybody, except for Eddie Van Halen, play it that close in, in my life. It, it's just the way I, I come to the conclusion, it's the way you play it. If you want to sound like Eddie, uh, You've got to play like him, and it, it don't matter what you're playing through. Exactly. You could play through a pig nose amplifier. You could play through a Helix. You could play through a Marshall or a PV or whatever. Uh, you know, even Eddie's own amps with uh, with EVH gear. You either have it, you don't. It's a way you attack it. So that, that'd be really cool. And I rate him really high up there, too, as far as eruption. He's definitely, I mean, he's had schooling directly from Eddie himself, too, obviously with a good friendship there. But I mean, even that, that you can take all that aside. You either have it or you don't. So he's, yeah, that'd be, that'd be intimidating for sure. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. 
let's jump over to the chat for a quick second. We're going to say some hi to some people here. And I think there's actually a question for you as well, too. So let's do all that. Uh, we've got oh. my uh, better half, Nocturnal Butterfly, running the chat efficiently as she always does. Uh, smooth and smooth as silk. Quentin James is here saying, hey, kids. Les Bell is here. Hey, Chelsea Eric and the EVH Rockers. Mike Francis is here. Hey, guys. Sean Close is here. Curtis Murata. Uh, Rudy Aob, I think. Aub. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Uh, please don't hate me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um, Robert Apples here. Greeting Chelsea and Eric. Um, okay, and we already have a link. Sean was asking for a link for your YouTube, and Nocturnal Butterfly has posted that. We'll be posting Chelsea's links all night long, and also they are in the description as well, too. So please make sure to check out the description down below after the uh, after the show. Uh, Mitch Hannon is here. Uh, let me see. Mike Francis. Chelsea, is your background... This is cool. Good, very good question. Uh, is your uh, background in bluegrass originally? Well, when I very first started playing guitar, um, it was based out of more out of rock. Because, uh, as I said, my dad played guitar. That was... Uh, he's a massive Van Halen fan. He got me into it and more of the classic rock stuff. But uh, as I went through and got more into music and really loving all styles, I, that's when I started in bluegrass. And I actually played banjo early on, um, maybe a year after I started playing guitar. So that was people like Earl Scruggs, Ralph Stanley was always a huge influence to me as well. I would imagine, I, I love banjo, but I can't play a note on it because I can't, uh, you know, finger pick with uh, like the rolling technique. I just can't do that to save my life. I'm not very uh, ambidextrous or whatever the, the correct word is for that. But I would imagine with the the real, what, what do you call it? Is it a rolling finger technique when you, I'm not sure how to describe that. Yeah, just rolls. There's forward rolls, backwards <laughs> rolls, all kinds of crazy different things on the banjo. And it's, okay. Stuff that I've tried to apply uh, on the guitar over the years. That's what I was going to say. That should that should probably help tremendously when it comes to uh, acoustic guitar and then some you know really cool techniques on on electric guitar. And we're going to talk about a, a player down the road, which who you and I know uh, we talked about this off the air. Another sewer artist could probably adapt that technique a lot to guitar as well too. So we'll talk about that. So I think that's really really cool. Let's continue down uh, the chat because I see more uh, questions popping up, which is awesome. I love uh, questions from the the fans here and the viewers. Sure. Uh, Chris Linkson, hello, uh, Eric Nocturnal Butterfly. Um, and yeah, Mitch Hannon says, is it Hannon? I, Hammond, I think, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm so blind. Uh, says, I, I thank Chelsea for the eruption tutorial. Mike Francis says, my music started in bluegrass uh, from Kentucky, so it makes sense. Um, I love Chelsea's Sultans of Swing video. Yeah, that's the, the Mark Knopfler uh, video. That's on your, on your website. One of the easiest ways to see some of these are on, leb, on the website and then under media, correct? Yes, yeah. exactly. Check that out because all the all the, the cool ones are right there for you. There's, uh, we're gonna. It's so cool. We're, we're kind of setting up what's coming on the show, but we're gonna talk about some of the blues. We're gonna talk about uh, Jimi Hendrix is on there. There's Steve Ray Vaughan. The Sultans of Swing. We're talking about the, the eruption videos on there. It's a nice kind of organized. You know, you could spend a weekend and just on that one page, and you could learn some great licks. Um, so let me see. Uh, Sean Close says, "Wow, she's freaking good." Uh, thanks to the link. Now I'm a fan, and I might even t take her lessons. And we're gonna get into that how they can find out too. I'm telling you, uh, I why would I have a guitar player on this show? That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, guaranteed. Uh, so Les Bellin had a question there somewhere. Um, okay, this this is a good question. Um, and this this will lead into some of the endorsements that you work with, but we'll still focus heavily on those down the road. Um, okay. uh, Les says, uh, what amps do you use? And you, you know what you can do? Maybe you can say how you've graduated through different things, you know, some of the things you've used and where you're at now and what makes you happy with them. Well, um, I used to use, I, 
early on, you know, I, I dabbled in a little bit of everything, rack effects. Uh, I went through the boutique stuff, uh, Mark Hammer and Ants, David Bray. Um, but right now, my main amp is the Sir Hedgehog 50. Uh, I absolutely love that amp, and kind of how I got introduced to that was when I got introduced to Sir and started playing their guitars, I would check out all their demos, and then I found one of Ian Thornley giving a demo, and I was like, I, I've got to have that amp. So it was just so versatile. He went from clean to distorted to this mellow thing, and it was just awesome, and it completely sold me. So that's my main rig right now. That's really cool. And you know what? Since how you mentioned Ian Thornley, that's something I was going to ask you, uh, and we talked about this off the air. Um, I, I'm a Canadian, so I obviously um, know Ian Thornley more than some of the people in different parts of the world. But he, uh, what an absolute amazing player. Like probably, I, I don't want to sound too bold by saying this, but probably one of the best guitarists in the world overall. Like within, you know, he's certainly up there and being a sore artist. And I saw some of those same demos that you're talking about, you know, with uh, doing the, the slide. Just a sl- I mean, there's nothing that a guy cannot do good, but it certainly makes that sound good. But I, I'm just kind of, I want to get your opinion. Obviously, you said you've bought an amplifier almost based on that. But what do you think overall uh, of him as a player and, and maybe even a singer too? Well, Sean, I absolutely love his voice and love his uh, style, the way he plays the guitar, his tone, his songwriting, as I mentioned earlier, and love their uh, new album, Grace Street. Been listening to a lot of that. And uh, love Ghost, The Oath, that song. <laughs> All those are great. That's and, a good one. Actually, he was. Uh, I had the uh, opportunity to, to go out to the Surf Factory and film a, a couple of videos, and he was downstairs at the factory, and that scared me, <laughs> me to death because you know I was playing, and there Ian Thornley was downstairs. So uh, you can imagine how I felt at that time. Oh yeah. So it, it was great, and I got to meet him, and he's a wonderful guy, and I absolutely love his playing. Not to mention, is he intimidating on the guitar, but he's also 12 feet tall, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a fairly tall person myself, too, and I, and I just feel so intimidated. I stand next to him, and I'm, I'm looking up like this, right? <laughs> it's very, exactly. very yeah. intimidating. It, it was awesome to get to meet him, and uh, he, he's a, a, a great guy, and I, and I hope to see him live one day. And uh, I love the performance on the Surf Factory stuff. Uh, I've all the material, and got to see him jam with Andy Wood on YouTube and I'd love to see those guys live one day so I'd love to see the two of you play that'd be really cool oh yeah I would absolutely love to do something with him that would be awesome I can't see that being out of the question I mean especially with both of you representing the brand you know special events you know maybe some NAMM specials or things like that uh, I think that'd be really really cool and and I know for a fact as much as you think okay I'm, I'm here with Ian Thornley I know there's gonna be some times I can just picture him off to the side of the stage smiling watching you play he'll be holding some really cool crazy ass chords that he does his rhythms are insane just like Eddie Van Halen and he'd be watching you play and I mean it's it'd be a real certainly um, uh, mutual respect oh yeah I, as I said I'd absolutely love to do a project uh, with him that would be uh, great maybe even try to co-write one at some point so I, I, as I said I, I love his ideas and he was mentioning the chords and, and how he just puts things together his song structure is just so good and that's something I wish I could apply to my own originality as far as uh, writing music goes for sure 
And here's a question for you. I know I, I haven't seen um, uh, one of our regulars here, Insomniac Matt, when he comes in the chat, but he always likes to ask guitar questions like, okay, what guitar strings do you use? And here's something funny. I'm going to kind of use his question he always asks. Um, and this is a funny question to Ian, because Ian, just for fun, likes to put 13-gauge guitar strings on a string. Just, for, just on a Sunday afternoon, he's bored. He wants to string up a guitar with 13-gauge strings, um, which also shows those monster hands. What do you like to use yourself? Uh, I'll have Ernie Ball's uh, RPS uh, 10 to 46. That's what I mainly use. Uh, uh, with the exception of sometimes I do use nines, but that's not my main uh, string gauge. I always use 10 to 46. Really love the uh, Ernie Balls, and that's somebody else that I'm also endorsed by. They sent me a 40th anniversary volume pedal, which I'll still have to do a demo video for, which I'm way behind on, but I'll get that out there. Um, but yeah, Ernie Ball strings are my favorite, and it's the RPS reinforced ones that I really love right now. Okay. I'm very familiar, obviously, with a lot of their strings, too, for many, many years. I still have a couple sets kicking around uh, the Super Slinkies. I'm a 9-42 to player. Uh, I've, I've recently jumped over to uh, Dario NYXLs, but I still... I still uh, swear by the Super Slinkies, you know, for a go-to and a pinch string. So definitely a, gr a great string manufacturer, for sure. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, Gary Davlin here. He says he just subscribed to your channel. So fantastic. That's so nice uh, when, right. when fans come through and they jump in. You'll pick up a couple. I mean, I'm sure you're not going to see a ton come from my channel. But if, if I get you two or three or five or ten, I'd be thrilled. That's awesome. Um, lots of love for Ian Thornley. Chad Boston's here saying he subscribed as well, too. Very, very nice. Oh, wow, this is awesome. Colgen 5150. Yes, she's great. Subscribe. This is really nice. This, for, for us as YouTubers, it's a, it's a really cool thing when, you know, we just do our thing every week, uh, whether it's Chelsea doing instructions or if we're doing a talk show environment here, you know, picking up two people a night is a great thing. You know, that's, that's a really nice thing. And it's more people we can interact with. So thank you for subscribing to her. That's great. Uh, Guitard75 says this girl kills it. Um, yeah, fantastic. We're getting some great love here as well, too. I just want to go back to uh, Eruption just for a quick second. Did you, and this is cool, you also said, too, that you plan on reinventing it again as far as your demo uh, with Sewer. Everything's going to be Sewer. But did you have any idea that it was going to be as popular as it was when you did it? Like, I, I don't even know the exact number, but I know you're well over 150,000 views, and, and maybe I'm even less than that. Uh, I'm, and maybe it's more than what I'm saying. But it's a crazy amount of views on it. Did you think it was going to be as popular as it was when you let your, you and your dad let the camera roll? Uh, you know, I'm very thankful and humbled by everybody's comments. Uh, you know, it's awesome to go on there and see a comment of, thank you so much, you've helped me learn this piece. You know, that's, that's the thing that I found really gratifying because I want to be able to... Uh, help people when I'm doing these solo lesson series or, or whatever it may be, achieve the tone. And um, when I slow things down, I try to brace it like it would be fast. So um, it, it's rewarding to try to help people uh, learn their favorite pieces from their favorite artists. But yeah, I'm very thankful that, uh, that it's gotten that much support. You know, I would have never dreamed of that. Well, the good thing is a lot of people are searching for Eddie Van Halen, and obviously you've got good tags in there and everything else. People are finding you, and whether or not that's the reason why they're subscribing to you, maybe it's maybe it's some of the blue stuff or maybe it's some of your own stuff, I guess you'll take it any way you can as far as if someone uh, discovers you. That's like music, right? People discover artists, whether they might go see, um, like perfect example last night, the boy and I went and saw Smashing Pumpkins in London, and um, with the, uh, a Canadian band had opened for them. I'd never, well, I shouldn't say I hadn't heard of them. I heard this music all the time, didn't know it was this band. Now I 
I love this opening band. So that's how you discover things by accident sometimes, or you're in the car and your friend's playing uh, a CD for you for the first time that you've never heard. Like, oh, I love this band. And so sometimes that happens here in the show too. So people will discover new artists like like yourself here tonight. I just love the fact that no matter how you find these artists, um, or in your case on YouTube, that you find them, you bring them in, you connect with them, and then they become family. Yeah, that's really cool. So uh, social media is so nice to get an instant. If you put a video out, and um, when I do work for companies, it can reach thousands and thousands of people, and you can get new fans, new subscribers, new uh, whatever it may be. And that's the great thing about social media that I really love, and, and YouTube is uh, a way that I wanted to have a channel that demonstrated all the styles that I loved and also helped people. Exactly. The last thing I'm going to say as far as the eruption tutorial, just we're not focusing on that all night long, is I loved how you broke that down into sections, and, and I should know the exact amount because I've watched your video so many times that if it was a VHS tape, it would be worn out. Um, but I think it was almost like 16 parts. And I, and I think it's all, it's like people don't realize how many, if you break down eruption into sections from the first pick slide to the, you know, everything, there's so many little parts. And if you do break it down, like you've done in your video, you can realize that, okay, if I try to tackle eruption as a whole, this is a hard piece. But if I break it down over these little chunks, you know, it's like a big little bites of a, of a big pie, right? It's a lot easier to digest and, and get through. Exactly. And that's what I was talking about earlier as far as breaking it down and coming back to it maybe a couple of years later and wanting to revise and refresh over it to make sure you've got everything. That's when you start to hear stuff differently. And as I said, I, I guess it just matures as your playing matures and you build these certain techniques that maybe your ears better to get the tone and all that stuff but um as i said it's a it's a piece in progress for me always it's always a challenge that's a good thing and I, I remember saying this a while back too in a video I did about eruption, speaking about how, you know, the mystique that surrounds it and how it's one of the greatest guitar souls ever is the fact that I myself as a guitar player, I'm okay with the fact that I can't play. I mean, it frustrates living hell out of me that I can't play it note for note. And I will go on record to say I will never, ever play it. I, I don't want to discourage people and say you should never to say never about yourself, but I'm, con I'm content by saying I will never play it note for note. And that also makes me happy, even though it's sad, because that further puts that pedestal of the, one of the world's greatest guitar solos. Uh, guitar solos an accurate statement if I know I'm never going to reach it then that's kind of a cool thing yeah you know I, I feel that way about a, long, a lot of Eddie's songs so you know yeah. it's just especially when I was first learning Eruption and I, I was just like I'm, I'm never going to be able to play this but it's took years and it's still taking years to be able to perfect it and I'm a perfectionist and you know to me it's not it's not ever going to be close, you know, so I can try to get it close, but, you know, there's always that part in my playing or, or tone or whatever that I'm just going to be so dissatisfied <laughs> with. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a treadmill, isn't it? You, you're getting close, you know, but it, it's, that, it's that forward momentum and you're just going around and around again. But I like the fact that you're going to reinvent it again. That's going to be really cool. So I think that'll be something to look forward to. Do you have a rough idea of a time? Like, is it like in the next six months or something like that? You plan on doing something like this or? Uh, possibly, yeah. Okay. I, I've got a few more videos uh, in line that I've got to do here real soon that are going to be some great ones. And uh also been recording uh, on my second project, which is part two for my part one release uh, that I released my debut EP December 2017. 
Okay. Uh, great guitar players on it. Uh, Mr. Paul Gilbert, uh, Steve Morse, Dole Docks, and a good friend of uh, mine, an up-and-coming super picker from Nashville, Trey Hensley. So he sang and played. Uh, Paul also sang a blues song called She's Gone. So that was really interesting. That's, really that's insane. That's a question I was going to ask you later on in the program was about the uh, the AP. So I just want to put a quick note in there as well, too. And uh, Nocturnal Butterfly will probably share the link momentarily uh, to your website. That's probably the easiest way to get to it because on the website, you've got things for iTunes, CD Baby, and things like that. So uh, yeah. please go check that out. But what a what a list of uh, uh, incredible players on that. That's got to be just so, so rewarding to have that in, in your, uh, your, your, your wheelhouse there. That's great. Yeah. Uh and plus these guys like Paul Gilbert, Steve Morris, uh, Doldox, also one of my favorite acoustic artists, guested on a, a song that was co-written with my little sister called Taylor Made. Um, for for these guys to hear my original songs and just want to be a part of that, and to know that they had to like it, you know, to be on it is again that's a humbling thing. And uh, to have Paul Gilbert, Steve Morris, Doldox, and all those guys on there is just, as I said, it's a dream you know to have that on your first debut project. yeah that's that's a pretty good one that's a pretty good uh, uh you know first release here's a couple questions There's actually a few good questions popping up in the chat these are going to be great um <laughs> come up to all of them as quickly as i can so the first one comes from mitch he says and you kind of answered this uh, uh chelsea do you still play with your sister a lot she's a great player too so uh yeah we do uh we're getting together a duo thing uh she's more of an acoustic player she plays Taylor guitars, and I like my surf stuff. So we're trying to figure out a, a better way of trying to apply my electric side of stuff to her acoustic. And okay. uh, mostly we play, we try to loop a bass track and go and play with that or backing tracks. So I'm trying to introduce some of my original songs, and she plays some of her original songs uh, in the set as well. But we're, we're going to start that back up here soon to uh, start playing and get more into that. Okay. Now, you don't have to say your age here. I've never asked uh, a person their age, but are, are you both close to the same age? And, and I'm just curious to see how it was, was like growing up, if there's any kind of challenge between the two sisters, you know, trying to outskill one another or out woodshed, you know, one or the other. Well, she's 16 and I'm 28, so there's 12 oh, years difference. Okay, there's a big difference. Yeah, so she... You know, as I told you, my dad played, so I grew up watching him play, so it made me want to play. And I, I think a lot of the reason she wanted to play is because she was probably watching me and my dad play, and it, <laughs> she loves music, too. So um, we really don't have um, a lot of back-and-forth things going on. It's just when it comes down to set lists and picking songs and doing things like that, we can kind of go back and forth over that. Um stylistically yeah we're a little bit different but we always tend to make it work and we work really well together and actually i think she's helped me a lot more than i've helped her that's cool that's good to know so that'd be a real compliment to her and that's the thing too it is a good thing to have a completely different um skill set and style because now we know when the two of you get together you know sometimes just doing some melodic leads you know there's nothing to accompany accompany it um it's kind of empty you know, and sometimes just listening to chords all day long can be sometimes a little empty. But the two of you together, I'm sure you can put some uh, some beautiful passages together. Uh, yes, yeah, she's also done uh, some drum work oh, wow. uh, for me too. On my instructional piece for the, the Dire Straits, Sultans of Swing, she played the drums. And she's going to play a few more drum pieces on some upcoming videos. So it's going to be great. 
Oh, that's good. Very cool. Uh, Sean Close over in the chat says, uh, subscribed as well, too. Scott Roos says, hello from Nova Scotia. Subscribed as well. Jesse Quick says, hello, everyone. Nocturnal Butterfly says, thanks so much, everyone. We're getting some great support for Chelsea tonight. This is awesome. I knew this was going to be a, a good one. Um... And uh, Guitar75 says, if you haven't seen her Randy Rhodes covers, check those out. Now, that's one I don't think I've seen. So that one I'm going to go I'm gonna go flag. I've created a playlist for myself just for guitar instruction, stuff like that too. And I've added some of your videos, but I don't think I've seen the Randy Rhodes one. So I definitely want to see that. Was that fun to do? Oh, man. The, the Randy Rhodes stuff is a, a challenge too because of uh, just the way he plays. And it's uh, I wouldn't say it's as much as structured as, as it is, I, I don't know, it's tracking the guitars and always having to duplicate somebody else's style is pretty fun. Um, uh, Randy Rhodes was early on an influence as well as Van Halen, and I loved playing stuff like Mother Earth, Diary of a Madman, and all that stuff. So, yeah, he, his uh, guitar playing has definitely had a huge influence on me, and kind of determined what guitar I played early on, which was uh, Les Paul. Okay. And this leads perfectly into Jesse's question. Jesse, quick, and we've you've alluded to this a little bit as well, um, but you can you, you can kind of uh, explore this a little deeper here. Uh, Jesse says, "I notice you play a lot of guitars. I play mostly." Uh, or he notices that you play a lot of guitars or different brands, obviously over the different videos. And as you said, you've kind of grown from guitar company, and you know you tried just about everything, which is a good thing because you don't know what you like until you try just about everything. Uh, he says, I notice you play a lot of guitars. I play mostly Charvel and Kiesel. What do you play now? And what do you like or not like about all the different guitars? So it's kind of a very, it's kind of a, it's a very in-depth question, but it's maybe you can say some of the things that maybe some necks were just, just too big for you, whatever, or not comfortable, flat profile, wipe, whatever, but you can say what you've gone through into where you are with sewer and really what made those shine for you. Well, um, for sentimental reasons, my, my dad gave me a Black West Paul Custom. It was a 1997, and uh, I played it closing out the show with Steve Morris uh, for the Les Paul Tribute Show. And that had been my favorite guitar throughout uh, years of playing and all the makes and models that I had been playing. But I had got introduced to John Sir, and I believe it's 2007, and I... I got uh, introduced to him by a rep of mine from Celestian, uh, Rick Skillman, and we we kind of kept in touch with each other uh, for a few years after that. I was committed to another guitar manufacturer at the time, but uh, finally I, I had sent another email because my needs, I liked the direction that he was going uh, with the guitars, the stainless steel frets, the plate jobs, and, and all that, and just the attention to detail that he gave. And that's something that back then I was putting eight, ten hours a day on the guitar and just wearing out the frets. And stainless steel frets is something that was a big personal need of mine. Um, so I, I got back uh, in touch with John, and I think it was 2014. They had sent out a Classic Pro for me to try and uh, demo on some videos and have been playing their products ever since then. Um, but my current favorite right now that I'm playing is the 80s MK2 uh, shred guitar that they've got, Neon Drip. It's a wonderful guitar with the Aldrich pickups in it and uh, a 
you'll see it on an upcoming video and the guitars just sound awesome well that's fantastic well that definitely answers that question uh for sure from jesse so thanks for the question jesse um mike francis uh we've already answered this question but i'll certainly acknowledge it uh he's asking uh any plans to do more collaborations with your sister i saw some videos linked with the taylor guitars a couple years ago so yeah you're, you're working on some things coming up with her so that's fantastic um, yeah. Mitch also says your version of Cliffs of Dover is fantastic. That's, that's one I have to check out. And I have a buddy, you may know him, uh, in the guitar community. He's more focused, um, over in the line six field. Uh, he does a lot of stuff with Golden Guitars and, uh, some other brands. Jason Sedite, are you familiar with that name? Um, no, I don't. I don't think I have. Look, look him up later on. You'd probably, he's a really good, he's, um, uh, I don't even know how to describe his style, but he's kind of like an Ian Thornley in a way too. Kind of one of those things where it's, you just don't even want to paint a picture of what the style is because it's so good, right? And um, mm-hmm. he, he he just did a, a, a version of Cliffs of Dover as well too. And I haven't even seen it yet. I haven't had a chance to see it, but he's he does the, the kind of the analogy of a solo, gets you in the mindset of what the guitarist was thinking when they created that solo. And it's a uh, it's kind of fun thing as well too. But I definitely want to check that one out. I know you'll do well on that one um and uh nocturnal butterfly saying please share this video on facebook or twitter if you're able to um and let me see here uh here, here's a good question and this is an honest question mitch says does eddie play it the same way each time no i mean you've probably watched it when you're learning eruption i'm sure you watch as much youtube as you could as well too and van halen bootlegs i've never really seen eddie play it the same way twice have you i mean obviously the the key parts but would you say he's playing it different almost every time uh, yeah, I, I would say that is correct, but I, I definitely like to go on YouTube and watch all these different versions, but especially his, to try to get in a general area of where he might have played it uh, back on the original recording is always a great reference, but yeah, he's just the type of player where he's going to play everything different all the time, which is really cool. That's right. I started a segment here. I haven't actually launched on the channel, but I called it Eruption Monthly. And I just wanted to fo- uh, focus on guitar players. They don't have to be playing necessarily Eruption per se, but if they could, you know, because a lot of guitar players will play a little bit of Eruption, then they'll go into Spanish Fly, and then they'll do a couple of Ed- Eddie's famous, you know, little things. It's all like a little hodgepodge recipe. And I thought it'd be kind of a cool thing. And I've had a lot of submissions come in now. I just got to start going through them and putting them up. But it's re- just so cool to see the passion of these guitar players out there, you know, all derived from, from one guy. You know, it's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, he's, he's had such a huge influence on my playing. Not only is he I mean, an extraordinary lead player, but his rhythms I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, for another, Jesse had a good question a few minutes ago, and he has another good one here saying, um, uh, one thing i never seen in teaching is breaking down chords and scales using the songs and how it all goes together so you can even see how other songs use the same theory. Good, good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so we have your website link here as well, too, in the chat from Nocturnal Butterfly. Thank you for that. And uh, Jesse says, I lived in uh, Ocala where Steve Morris has his plane uh, on College Road. I could walk over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's cool. Now, does, does Steve, uh, is, is Jesse referring to uh, where Steve stores a plane and he flies? Does Steve actually fly himself? Yes, he does. He's a pilot. That's cool. Yeah, he was a... I guess at one point he completely got out of the music business and became a commercial airline pilot, wow. I believe. And then he keeps planes that he likes to uh, fly. And he, 
he flies a lot of different places himself. So if he has a gig or something, so that's pretty interesting. That'd be nice. I would love to do that. You know, if, if you're going to, you know, uh, normally a four or six hour drive, a 10 hour drive, whatever, maybe flying your own personal plane. That's very rewarding, relaxing, you know, that'd be great. Yeah, not having the hassle to go through the airports, get checked and all that. I would, I would love to skip that too. Yeah. That would really crying babies on uh, and drunks on the airplane and all that other kind of stuff you got to deal with yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah and i'm sorry sir you can't check or sir ma'am or whoever you can't check your guitar in the overhead you know and all this kind of stuff yeah that i hear that southwest is pretty good about putting their guitar um on the overhead but um at one time i was trying to uh, hide my sir guitar in the gig bag yeah and uh got caught at the very end of the plane ride so and they was like well you need to pick this up but it wouldn't fit i was so concerned you know with something happening to the guitar i have a lot of horror stories of the guitar just coming down where you go to pick up the luggage and the case be opening the guitar right there because they just want to sling your equipment and you know i I hate airlines for that. I can imagine. I've seen some of the worst stories, you know, some of the most horrific stories of guitar travel. And, you know, they just don't realize that, you know, these things are our, our livelihoods, uh, you know, and our, and not only that, even if you're not making money off the instrument, it's very, very, it's your passion. It's something that's so, so very important to you. That's how people, some people cope with life is just having a, that instrument they can play. And to see that destroyed in front of them, which might be their only instrument, is, uh, is a, very, a very heartbreaking moment. Yeah, I've been... I've been lucky to maybe have uh, road cases damaged and things like that, but luckily, no guitars completely destroyed. So I'm I'm happy about that at least. Good, good. Um, this is uh, Les Bellin says, Chelsea, would you try EVH guitar amps? Being that you being, I know, I know you endorse Sewer, but because you're chasing the EVH tone there for so long, have you ever have you ever even played through any of the um, EVH gear fifty one fifty three amps at all? Um, I, I've played through the PV products. Okay. Go and uh, really loved the 5150 amps. And uh, as I as I said earlier, I think with all the uh, the guitar tone, the pickups, the uh, guitars that you use, it's it's more about playing like him. And as I said, I, I've got an amp now that I really love, which is the Sir Hedgehog 50. That is can pull anything off i know because <laughs> of john sir naturally but uh yeah yeah i've tried those products demoed uh, some of those products and they were really good amps but i as i said i like the way um the sir is voiced and how it comes through it reminds me a lot of the uh chords off the old recordings how eddie would hit the stuff and it would be so clean and clear besides everything be so muddied up like and the sir definitely delivers that aspect yeah, I guess a nice articulation. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's cool. Let, let's pause the chat questions just for a second. I'm going to come back to everybody for sure. I promise I won't miss a question if I can if I can um, control that. I'll do my best. But since we're talking about uh, products that you endorse, so obviously there's a, a big love for the Soar brand, both in guitar and amplifiers. And I think that's really cool too. I think that's why brands like, you know, the PVs back in the day with Eddie and now with the EVH gear with his own brand. It's nice that a company can manufacture uh the, to take care of the needs of the guitar player and well, I mean the guitar and the amplifier and in some cases pedals and I know Sewer is doing that as well too and, and actually John's son is, is involved in a lot uh, in, in the manufacturing a lot too isn't he with the pedals 
Oh yeah, they're pushing the, a lot of pedals now and coming out with a, a lot of new products. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about uh, getting some of those and doing different demos with them and, and showing everybody what they can do. Because when you have a Sur pedal, a Sur amp, and a Sur guitar, it all works together fantastic. I mean, I, I, I've never really heard anything like it. That's cool. Yeah, it's like a synergy between everything. Yeah, John definitely knows what he's doing on all that. So I'm I'm very happy. And as I said, he always listens to the needs of every guitar player. And I think that's why he's got a superior product to everyone else. That's fantastic. I mean, in my humble opinion. No, that's cool. No, and there's a lot of the players, uh, obviously, we talked about a few tonight that are that are playing them as well, too. And I've, uh, I've never heard a bad story ever yet. So that's that says a lot as well, too. Let's jump away from tour just for a brief brief second, because uh, I don't I, I don't want to share the whole spotlight on them because you have some other great companies that you work with as well too. Tell us about some of the pedals um, outside of tour that you're working with, uh, some of the acoustic guitars that you're working with. Any any particular um, product that you're working with right now that you just like to say you know kind of uh, thank you and and why you enjoy them as well. Gosh, a big thank you goes out to TC Electronic. Um, I've been with them for about ten to fifteen years. Um, I've been doing uh, NAM demos since I was about 11 and got introduced to a lot of these guys and a lot of great companies. So uh, thanks to Taylor Guitars, Ernie Ball, AccuSound Cables, um, all those guys are, are great. I'm really enjoying the, the Alter Ego, the Hall of Fame Reverb, uh, the Hyper Gravity, the Polytune tuner that TC has got out. And those are pretty much the pedal, pedals that I use exclusively on my board with this side of uh, using some surf stuff every now and then. Um, on the Taylor side of things, I love the 714C, love the cutaway, like to get up high on the frets, so, because it kind of reminds me more of a, an electric guitar, and it's it's an awesome sounding guitar. Uh, and and I, I guess that's about, about it. Okay, that's cool. Good to share with us, and I know what you mean when you're talking. You'd like to have almost like as an electric bass guitarist. It's nice when you go to an acoustic and you don't feel kind of like uh, okay, we're very foreign here, and to have that same comfort with the neck, you know, and and not have such a short scale that you just can't really do anything. If you want to get creative and try to do some kind of cool leads, you don't want to run out of real estate either. Yeah, and and as I said, I, I love the electric guitar so much. Um, I use a little bit lighter strings. My Sister used 13, 50, 56 strings mm-hmm. acoustic. So I like to think of it, if I'm coming up with a solo, I like to do bends. I can't stay away from bends and doing vibrato. So mm-hmm. I have to use a little bit lighter gauge. Uh, so, you know, that's that's just my personal preference on how I use acoustics. Of, of course, I've got another one um, here that I keep set up with a little bit heavier strings that I like to do traditional bluegrass on. Sure. Um, but the the guys at, at the guys at TC has always been great, and it's great to be added to the artist list there. And again, I'm I'm really thankful for all my uh, uh, companies that endorse what I do and support what I do. And it, I couldn't have uh, made it this far without them. Well, that's good. Yeah. And like you say, you've been with some of them, like with TC for, for so many years. That's a really, really good thing. And companies appreciate that too. When you, when you, you know, you stay loyal to the brand, it's awesome. They saw something in you many years ago and uh, obviously they're quite happy to see you promote the product. So, you know, kudos to you on that. Well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. 
This is really a really silly thing. I can't believe I missed it. So Robert Apple says, Jason plays fusion. Of course it's fusion. I don't know why I wasn't thinking fusion. I just had a, a brain block for a moment. So yeah, he's a fusion guitar player. Uh, on his record, he's got like Marco Miniman playing drums and all these other names that we know. Uh, pretty cool. So I def- I'll send you a link to him after. He's a really cool dude. Um, Ricky Mies is here saying, hey, Eric. Uh, Earl, Earl Carter says, on their Sultans of Swing video, the sister transitioned back and forth from lead to rhythm. It's as seamless as I've ever seen. As good as they are separately, they are awesome together. That's cool. Yeah, I, I think we've got uh, a sisterly bond going on there. But, you know, it is, uh, I guess that you can call it a competition between us both because we, we can kind of get to the point where we're trying to come up with the better uh, solo um, riff and whatnot, you know. That's good, though. I, I mean, the friendly competition is a good thing. And the fact that, too, I mean, family, you know, I mean, she's hearing you play all the time, or at least at one time, hearing you play all the time, you're hearing her play all the time, you think a lot alike. So I think th- that helps a lot in a in a duo, or even in a band situation, you know that, okay, Chelsea's probably going to take off and do a lead here, I know where to hold the rhythm, vice versa. Uh, I think that helps tremendously. Yeah, it does, and it helps tremendously that she's a drummer. Also, <laughs> yes, so. rhythm, That's so important. That's something I learned from from Paul Gilbert on the show here. And I'm gonna, actually we're going to jump into a Paul Gilbert related twist here in a second. Uh, I've never seen a man, or I've never seen a musician with the, the sense of um, rhythm that that guy has. And I thought at one time, at one point when he was playing on the show, I thought he had a um, or, or metronome going. It was like a click, 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 click. And it was like a loud wood blocking sound. That's just him cl- uh, cr- uh, cracking his foot on the floor. And it was in time and as loud as heck. And uh, so that, that goes to show you how important it is to have that sens- that, you know, that internal rhythmic clock. So that, you know, your sister being a drummer, that must help tremendously as well. Exactly. I come from more of a school of just figuring everything out by ear and phrasing stuff by ear. And she comes from the school of since she started drums a couple of years ago, looking at notation and being able to say, okay, they're phrasing it this way and and doing it that way. So it's, I guess, the best of both worlds there um, as far as when we get together, because as I said, she she helps me and I help her. So it it works out for the that's that's very good uh robert apple says american airlines broke the neck off my banjo once and the strings were loose that's not good no it's not (laughs) i would die um uh vintage sounds is here saying hey eric uh guitar 75 says let's talk some pedals um now i know i know your your the love lies with uh with sewer and there's nothing wrong with that that's the brand that you endorse but the question here um what the number of pedals available what are your go-to pedals so let's just say uh, you um you know uh, obviously the, you have that love for that brand uh, there's some pedals outside and i mean obviously with tc electronic too i mean there's a million great pedals under that umbrella but are there, are there any other pedals that you like to kind of experiment with like you know kind of the the classic 80s like the the phase 90s or old flangers or uh i mean it could be anything i don't know is there anything that's a, kind of a magic pedal to you as well too outside of those wheelhouses well something and all the fact that i really love is the echo clicks that i've got nice a guy in the tony crank he actually uh fixed it and uh, uh for me and uh i got to use that some on some different stuff and i, I love the fact that it's so sensitive and it's always walking the line between a great echo and you can push it back just a little bit and you'll be uh, playing Chet and stuff. So 
I, I love that echo, and it's it's always a favorite uh, to go to sometimes when I record or do another video. I've brought that name up many times on on the show, Chet Atkins. Um, it was so funny as a, as a young kid, my mom would always play Chet Atkins all the time. It was Les Paul and Mary Ford and Chet Atkins again and again and again. And she'd always say, uh, Eric, why don't you play like Chet Atkins? I'm like, Mom, he doesn't, uh, um, he, you know, he doesn't really have the screechy stuff. He doesn't have a whammy bar. He doesn't have feedback, you know, and that's why it never really, you know, grabbed me. You know what I mean? But I'd kill to play like it. Yeah, I, I think uh, the first time I had heard of his music was when my papa was listening to some of his music, Chinatown, My Chinatown, actually a version uh, he'd done. And I don't know, from going to listen to all this distorted stuff, then uh, going out to their house and hearing that, and it clean and having this echo and this old reverb, I just fell in love with it as soon as I heard it and I was like who is that and who's Chet Atkins and so uh, that's another piece the Chinatown my Chinatown it's it's kind of like uh the eruption yeah uh, that stuff and it's something that again you could come through that and hear a bunch of different things and that tone I you know I could that is one of my favorite tones aside from a lot of the Les Paul and Mary Ford stuff just the layering that's involved in that style. Like, I mean, you hear this with, like you're talking about echoes and, and distortions and things like that as well, too. It's just like, it just becomes this layered texture that a lot of people, we'd be surprised how many people that actually influence today, even in hard, hard rock, that, you know, they'd probably, if you go, if you sat down and talked to them, had a lengthy interview, that those names are going to come up a lot. And you're going to say, wow, I would have never thought about that. Yeah, I, I love the players like Chet Atkins, Jerry, and Les Paul there. Uh, some of my core influences, uh, gosh, and, and as I said, the sound on the Chinatown, my Chinatown, that is just the top for me as far as that overall style and genre. Speaking of Les Paul, that we get, we have to pause here on that one for a second because this is a great story. And we're always going to go in a moment with the um, the Paul Gilberts. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the opportunity of playing with Paul Gilbert and Billy Sheehan, Steve I, people like that. But this is a really cool story, and I'm just going to set it up for you. And you, and you please take it away. So at a very a fairly young age, you had the opportunity to not only play in front of Les Paul, but probably be one of the only guitar players using a Les Paul that evening. Share with us the, the moment of playing guitar that, that evening, what it was for the event, and Les Paul being there, and just really what that felt like to you. Well, I, I think it was surreal because you had a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the great guitar players, the older generation of guitar players there, as well as the newer generation uh, of guitar players there, and it was just kind of a mixed crowd, but it was really... Um, again, a, a surreal experience. And when I went out on stage and I seen Les sitting there, uh, you know, as I said earlier, I was just on autopilot. And then on the other side, you've got Steve Morris, who you're playing uh, on the pop and stress fest with. And I, I, I was pretty much scared out of my mind. You know, I, I, I was gone and like we was talking about earlier, I'm, I'm thankful for the muscle memory that just kind of took over. But it was a tribute show to Les Paul. And as I said, that it was a dream come true. And it was such a historical thing for me to be there in front of both of my heroes and being able to play alongside one as well as one watching me play. 
I like how you said the muscle memory, and we were talking about this off the air, and it's so important. This is why, you know, practice, 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 because you never know when you're going to need to engage that autopilot, and you get out there in in an event like this, like Chelsea did, and you either sink or swim, you could have fallen flat on your face and and been embarrassed in front of Les Paul, but you've been practicing, 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 and when your nerves took over, it's like, okay, I just go, I can do this, I've got it, without even thinking about it. But had you not done all that practicing, that that whole night that was probably a huge stepping stone for your career um, could have really gone south. Yeah, but you know, guys like uh, Steve Morris, they're they're such great mentors, and they know kind of the, the how to settle you down. Yeah, and their experience and stuff, and and that makes things a lot easier when you meet your hero and they're just super nice and will help you in any way they can and make that time go easier for you as as a 13-year-old. So where I was going to go with the Paul Gilbert question, so yeah, so you had the opportunity, obviously you play with a lot of famous musicians over the years and earned their respect back, like we've talked about Paul Gilbert, Steve I, Billy Sheehan, and the list goes on and on. There's a lot of credits on your website. Are there any players out there um, that you haven't played with yet that you would just love to have the opportunity? And, um, you know, here again, maybe the tips you, you would kind of give to yourself, you know, like getting back to that, you know, autopilot, muscle memory, things like that. But share with us some players that you would just love to have the opportunity to play with if you had the opportunity. Oh, my gosh. To play and record with, I'd love to do something with Martin Offler. Um, oh, wow. Go ahead. All-time favorites and, you know, as I said, I don't know what I'd do if I got to play in front of him or do a project with him, but that is definitely one I would like to do a song with. I could see that being great. And you'd probably, would you would you throw kind of a, a little wink to your sister and say, we need you for a little tiny part and bring her in too? Oh, yes, I'd probably have her uh, co-write a song with me. She's, she's a fantastic songwriter too. And I, I think her stuff, since she's more into finger style, and her earlier stuff that she wrote is, it reminds me a lot of his, uh, his stuff. It's kind of got, it's got this progressive thing, but it's got this, a little bit of, I, I like to call it a hint of sadness, because it's in that minor okay. uh, that I really like. So, I, I would, yeah, I would definitely invite her along. Oh, that'd be great. Um uh, back to a couple comments from the chat. Robert Apple says John Sewer is uh, uh, Sewer's son is also very involved with the amps. Yes, indeed, for sure. Uh, Scott Roos says I like the Line Six Synergy. He's using Variax Helix and Power Cab, and uh, I'm using a lot of that in, in my setup. As you can see, some of it behind me as well too. EVH stuff and the Line Six, which I enjoy. Uh, Dan Wilhite is here. He says, "Hey, Eric and Chelsea, and you nocturnal, you too nocturnal." Uh, Sean Close says you are fantastic uh, shredding other guitar uh, shredding other guitar music but do you have an original music or do you are have you have done or are currently working on and uh, if so we'll be putting any on YouTube so explain once again uh, for Sean um, th- what the music is contained on your first EP now you're working on the second one but kind of give a bit of a synopsis or a recap of what's on the first EP well uh this whole project, part one and part two, is basically about all the styles that has influenced me uh, over the years. I just released a uh, EP, December 2017, and it's got blues, bluegrass, country. It's it's kind of that. It's where if you used to come to East Tennessee, where I live, it's the music kind of you what you'd hear around here. You'd hear bluegrass players, some country players, blues players. So. 
that's not the style that I really started out on, but subconsciously, I guess I picked that up somewhere along the line, and that's what it kind of translated to. But part two, which will be released pretty soon, is going to be more of a, a progressive rock metal type thing. Uh, nice. I'm working on a single right now with uh, Steve Morse's uh, producer, Bill Evans, uh, which is going to have some special guests on that. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be great. Oh, great. Uh, so, so, yeah, I, it's basically based on, off the styles that has influenced me and some of the people. I, I guess it's kind of a, a reflection off of what Steve Morse uh, done years ago. I believe it was called Major Impacts. Uh, I believe he had a one and two, and he was going off his favorite bands like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and Rush, and people like that, and combining uh, all these styles and writing in that vein. So I guess I can say it's kind of a... A tribute to everybody that has been influenced on me and I've been blessed enough to have some of the people that has had that influence on me on my stuff. That is absolutely fantastic. So that's that's for you, Sean. We kind of recap. We did we did mention this earlier. There's a couple of people are mentioning in the chat, but we I know if you join in late, you might not have heard that. So it's totally fine. Um, let me see here. Uh, Scott Roos also says, uh, Arkansas Traveler is an amazing song by Chad Atkins. There's no doubt there. David Ennis is here saying, hi, everyone. Ron Padgett is here. Um, let me see here. Uh, Robert Apple said, this is a really cool uh, um, uh, point that Robert is saying. Someone I heard once say, amateurs practice till they get it right. Professionals practice till they can't do it wrong. I, li- I like that. I like that. So you, no, matter, no matter what you do, you try your best to mess up and you don't. And then you're doing something pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever find the next question we're going to jump into in a second is talking about your YouTube channel. And I made a joke about this the other day. So I got I was working on with my uh, Line 6 Helix I, and I made a really cool Van Halen patch. I mean, preset that I could I could really nail the uh, the vintage tone. And I would love to hear you play Eruption through it because it would sound amazing. But anyway, so I got this tone match, like really, really good. Uh, they got the reverbs nailed, got this, you know, just the uh, the lack of gain, where a lot of people think there's so much gain. And I go to record. I thought, okay, I'm ready to go. Before, before I hit the record, I'm playing, and I'm nailing parts that I normally couldn't, uh, never, ever nail. And I'm like, well, this is great. And then I hit the record button, and I did, uh, I'm not going to, this sounds crazy, but I did 50 takes. And out of those 50 takes... Um, I just recorded for a second, so all the QuickTime movies are saved on my computer. So there's 50 of them. And I'm saying to Nocturnal Butterfly here, I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. She's like, you're, you're trying too hard. You're trying too hard. And literally, when that damn light comes on, it just drives me crazy. Like, it, 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 how does that freak you out sometimes? I'm sure there's been times, I mean, you're, you're, you're incredible, but we're all human. We make mistakes. Does the camera light mess you up, you know, uh, yeah, mentally? Yes, I can have pre-production on something and practice and practice and practice and feel like, okay, I've got this pretty decent. Go into the studio, be filming a video or recording something, and the first note I hit, just I'm gone every time. And there was a, a time where I was recording a video and I done a lot of takes because I just, I just wasn't satisfied. Um, with again with how I was playing so so yeah you know you definitely have those days where sometimes I think okay I can go in and this will be painless and I can get through this and then it just ends up being the worst thing ever you know you know what I think the comfort is for us though 
is the fact that well, obviously every every creative individual is their worst critic. You know, for the most part, we're hard on ourselves. But I think we yeah. we probably overanalyze it. And even I probably could have put out one of those fifty takes and I got a couple of feedbacks in, not too bad, or yay, give you a little pat on the back or whatever. Um, but I think that we're too hard on it because even the ones that you, I'm sure you've shot some videos where you finally put them out there and you're like, oh, I don't even want to put this video out there. And then all the the heart pouring of support comes in. Wow, this is amazing. And then you're like, all right, I got to stop being so hard on myself. You know, I mean, you want to you want to critic you want to critique what you're doing, but you it's never going to be flawless, never going to be 100 perfect. You have to get to the best that you physically can, and eventually know when to walk away from it. You know, that, that especially in the recording world, you need to know okay, this is and stop, no more. And then we're done. Producer, engineer, finish it for me, please. My part's done. There's nothing else I can do to contribute to this piece, and let them do their magic. You need to know when to walk away from some of these things sometimes. Yeah, I think that's my hardest part because, as I said, I'm I'm. Uh, a perfectionist and can be a bit obsessive over doing things and old videos that you know uh, people comment on and view today and say very wonderful things about I can be cringing in the corner somewhere saying I could have done that a lot better and yeah there's you know there's a reason why I have certain people around say okay that's that's good that's that's enough you you know you went as as good as you could today but you know, as I said, I can get obsessed with something and, and go over things over and over and over and over long after after I get done recording or filming the video and wondering if I if I did it good enough, if the tone was right, you know, did it come across the way that I wanted it to? So, yeah, I, I can be my own worst enemy at times. Mm-hmm. However, let's flip that. Let's flip that a little bit too. I bet you there has to be a times in your life. It happens to most uh, musicians where maybe you're looking at something that you thought, here's an analogy I would use. I used to record every band performance we would do. Every single show we would do, I'd record it. And sometimes you're at the show and you're like, you kind of, ooh, that was horrible. And then you watch the video back and it's like, that's not too bad. Or on the flip side, even more so, you might watch something that you played back and you're like, how the heck was I doing that? Have you ever had any moments where you watch something back and you're like, is that was that the other guitar player or was that me? Because just the mojo was there, something was working, and sometimes it's almost like a car that can only go 100 miles per hour sometimes might go 150 now for some reason because it was down the hill, it had wind behind it, and all that other kind of good stuff. Have you ever had moments like that as a guitar player thinking, like, what the heck happened to me there that was so good? Yeah, there's been pieces that I have thought of sound horrible on and then you know you watch it back and you're and it actually all comes together or you're recording yourself at home playing something a, a really hard piece and you're like well this is not sounding as bad as i'm making it out to be but yeah i've had those moments too yeah that's cool that's nice that's nice for sure um Robert Apple, oh yeah, he, I mentioned his comment there about uh, the uh, practicing. Uh, Sean Close says, fantastic. Uh, Ron Padgett says, yep, was excited to see Chelsea on this. Been watching uh, her for years. And Robert also says, Eric, you can mess up on notes, and most people won't even know uh, for sure, but mess up on timing, and everyone will know. So don't uh, don't worry too much about that. That's the thing. A lot of people may not know the notes. If they're sitting in a bar listening to a band, whatever, they may not know it, but all of a sudden that train goes off the track rhythmically for a moment and you, you just feel it. Even if you don't even know the song, you just go, oh, oh, something's wrong here. You know, like OCD alert or music alert, whatever rhythm alert, right? Yeah, I just try not to draw any attention to it. That's right. And the worst thing you can do is like, oh, you know, no, what did I do wrong, right? You just kind of smile and wave and like look at the bass player and say, it's your fault, you know, and then just keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> Always blame the bass player. 
I'll, I'll share a funny story with you. This is the only story I'm going to say about uh, my old days is um, in our band, we used to tune down uh, to a half step down all the time, right? And so um, I worked in a music store and every once in a while I'd have the, like if I'm busy on the floor, whatever, I'd have the guitar techs in the back, tune up our guitars, whatever, and get them ready for the, the show that night and had one of the other employees do my do the guitars. And he tuned my guitar to, to 440, right? One of the guitars and, and everyone, everything else is uh, half step down. So we're playing that night and I grab the guitar that's in 440 and we start playing the song. And I look over at the bass player and I'm giving him the scowl look like you're out of tune. And he's actually sitting there trying to tune his bass live on as we're playing. And meanwhile, it was my fault. But I always kind of, I just always made this thing saying, always blame the bassist, you know, so. Well, never been able to do that. So. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 we don't speak much anymore. So that probably had a lot to do with it as well, too. So let's jump back over to the YouTube. Your YouTube channel has been like really taken off, and obviously with the the hard work that you've put into it, it's uh, it's grown. It's it just it's getting to the point now where it just snowballs, and I'm sure you've seen that. But what what time in your life did you finally say, like, okay, this YouTube thing might be? Uh, I mean, you know, you're doing all these clinics and you do all these uh, you know NAM shows and things like that. But YouTube has been a, has been a big thing for you. When did you realize that it was something that hey, this is gonna be pretty cool? Gosh, uh, I, I think it was when I actually filmed the Crossroads, Crane Eric Clapton. Uh, I believe it was one of the first videos to hit a, a pretty high number of views. And that really opened my eyes to the possibility of not only being able to promote my playing, but to promote different products and, and help that as well. So, it's as I said, it's all, the social media side of things has been a great vehicle uh, for uh, everybody to get out there and introduce yourself as a player or whatever you do. And, and how cool is it too, just to sit there and, I mean, I'm not sure how much time you get for yourself to be able to jump on YouTube and go through comments because uh, I get a lot here and I, and I have a, a much smaller channel than you have. Um, and I try to allocate, you know, like I'll try to allocate a couple of days a week and I'll just go through and I'll go through, boom, a whole bunch of comments because I really, really want to get back to everybody if I can. And, and I know the day is going to come where that probably won't be a, a foreseeable thing. But it's so nice to interact with people that come to you, obviously, for some, like, just entertainment. Like, they're, they're watching these tutorials, and sometimes they might not even be players. They just they enjoy watching what you play. Uh, other people are players, and they want to learn. But then the, the conversations that stem from that, it's it probably so cool for you, the, the, uh, the friends and fans that you've made on every corner of the globe. Oh, yeah, it's... it's wonderful to meet people on the uh, internet as far as interact and, and then you go out to NAMM shows and you know it's the people from those comments and you get to meet them in person so that's that's really cool and then they can introduce you to different people that can help you within the music community and a lot of ideas that I've been entertaining here was uh, getting with other players that has YouTube channels and doing like something like a uh, super jam maybe with all the sir artists like pete thorne and ian thornley and andy wood and players like that is, is a new idea that i that i come up with and i would really like to tackle that'd be cool did you did you ever have that moment i mean i know, I know you did for sure um, but i just wanted to know what it felt like where you know you're going to some of these first conventions and stuff like that after the channel's been starting to grow and people are like that's Chelsea Constable. that's did you ever get that starstruck moment where you're like oh cool you know you're like they're recognizing me yeah, that was, uh, I don't know, it's pretty embarrassing to me because, you know, you hear people whisper and stuff, and it, it, it was a cool experience, and, and I've had a lot of 
uh, again, supportive people that have been really nice to me over the years. So, yeah, it, it's all been a pretty good experience overall. A nice, a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling at the moment, for sure. And then you just kind of, okay, focus on what you're doing. But that's very cool. This It goes to show you that all the hard work that you put into it is appreciated when people, you know, they want to run to meet you and things like that. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it definitely makes you feel feel good about what you do. Yep, it makes it very, uh, it makes a whole world a much smaller place, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's global. We talk about people watching these shows and they watch them all different, you know, places in the world. But, you know, it, the internet really shrinks that down into a manageable, you know, all, all we're separated by is time zones now. We're not separated by miles. We're just time zones. This time difference, as long as we can get something out there uh, where people can watch it, it's, you know, it's, it's great. Yeah, it always blows my mind that you can put something out and, uh, like, you said the time zone separating us. Somebody uh, across the, the ocean can comment automatically or email, and you know that's just a fact that blows my mind. Because uh, when I was growing up, we lived in a real rural area, and we didn't have you know the the internet or nothing like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it, it's it's still pretty crazy the social media side of things being in touch with all these people and as i said it gives people great access to learn different things as far as all the instructional stuff that's going on so it's gave me a great opportunity to be able to do what i do that's an awesome story no that's awesome and we do have your link once again as well to uh to your youtube channel thanks to nocturnal butterfly so we're getting some good subscribers tonight for you that's awesome not that you need it but you're doing great but you always take more for sure um that's right Robert Ortiz says, great talk show. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate that uh, greatly. Um, what was the question I had? I had a really good question here for you. Oh, yeah, we, we were talking earlier about on your website. So on, on the media, you've got some of the videos that are kind of the, the really popular ones. And uh, some of them were the blues ones we talked about earlier. We had C. Ray Vaughn, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, obviously, we had some of the Mark Knopfler stuff as well, too. Um, and uh, Clapton as well too. So I wanted to ask you and kind of share with us how how important the blues was. You know, we talked about some of the Chet Atkins and things like that as well too, in a different style. But I want to focus more on blues. Um, how important was that to you as a, as a musician? And what would you say to people um, out there? How important blues could be to them if they were accepted it and just kind of uh, uh, at least at least acknowledge it and listen to it. Well. I always loved uh, Jimi Hendrix, but my favorite blues song was Red House. And oh, yeah. Listen to that. I mean, to me, that's just the ultimate blues song. Um, but also, again, uh, I will always credit my dad for getting me into these types of classic blues rock players that were very vital in um, helping me develop uh, my voice as far as in vibrato and, and how I went and thought about things, because I think... The guys like Clapton, Hendrix, Billy Giddens, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan are pivotal in someone's early learning experience as far as playing guitar. So blues is super important, but not only that, you know, when you first learn to improvise, it's always over blues, and it's such a great thing and a tool to communicate. You know, a lot of people love that style. Um, the Billy Giddens side of things with him pinching the harmonics and I, I really like beer drinkers and hellraisers. That's one of my favorites. Um, you know, you just, I, I never tire of that stuff. 
Yeah, it lives forever, and I, I like the fact that you said that as well too. Because Van Halen did a great cover back in the in the uh, club days, at Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers, and you got Michael Anthony just doing those, you know, the Hellraiser part. You know, it was just so awesome. Uh, and they do, that's a good song just to play, just to chunk away on. And even if you don't know uh, Billy Gibbons' solos, you know, a lot of times with blues, especially for an amateur player like just kind of starting out, you there's a lot of fake it till you make it, and you can kind of fake it a little bit, you know, and and not sound horrible. You know, I mean, sure, when, when you're trying to get into some different progressions, uh, you know, those sour notes could get a little bad. But I think as a beginner, you know, you can have some fun with the blues and, and be inspired by even your mistakes because it's something that will, you can show your buddies and still sound pretty good. Yeah, and that, that's what I always loved about it. But, you know, seeing uh, Billy Gibbons play and just how he can have four notes and make a fantastic line with it is something that I'm always working on because I mean speed's not everything and you know you've got the guys like Billy Gibbons as I said you can just say stuff something so powerful with just a few notes by doing vibratos and stuff in in just the right places um that is just it gives me cold chills you know when I hear it and Steve Ray Vaughan, because we talked about in the same wheelhouse there, Steve Ray Vaughan could play one note on guitar, sing three notes, play six notes, sing one note, and just that that back and forth he would do, and he's like the Ian Thornley as well, too. You can take away the guitar talent, and he's just as good a singer, and, you know, 50-50 either way, like virtuoso up both, both Ian, both Steve Ray Vaughan. Yeah, I, before I even really played the guitar i remember sitting up on saturday nights and watching austin city limits uh with my dad and seeing steve ray vaughn and i just kept thinking to myself you know i i would just i mean i loved his playing because i i would listen to his songs he was my first favorite guitar player before i started playing guitar and i would sit there and and watch him and think gosh i will just never if i start playing guitar i will never be as good as that so it scared me to death, and as I said, he was my first huge influence, and I, I did get in trouble for listening to a little cassette tape and a Walkman at school Uh-oh. over there. <laughs> so, um, but the teacher allowed us to listen to music. It was just, you know, she had a rule of classical and smooth jazz, but, you know, I like to steer everyone. That's funny. I really like that. I'd, I'd like to ask you maybe a little bit more. You can share as much or as little as you want about your dad, but was your dad, because, um, you know, he sounds like a, a huge catalyst in your in your career. Was he a club player? Was he was he a recording artist? Um, can you share a little bit about what his background was as far as performer? Well, he, he wasn't a performer as far as going out and playing, but he, he uh, like myself, would copy his favorite guitarists and, and play. And a lot of the time when I started playing, I would be playing the rhythm and he would be playing the lead over the stuff. And that would be some of the most exciting things and, and great memories that I'll always have. But, I mean, he was he was a great guitarist. He don't really play that much anymore, but he, he didn't really record any. I, I don't know why. I guess he just didn't like that aspect of it. Yeah. But, as I said, he, he always uh, played great. Well, we're very thankful here to your dad because that happens a lot with a lot, some of the guests I've had on the show here, um, especially because a lot, obviously you know it's a Van Halen-themed show, and a lot of the guests that come on here, they tell me that they were inspired by Van Halen by their parents. And I, it's just like, thank you, parents. Thank you, parents. You know, And, and I've never, ever forced um, Van Halen on, on our boy Eric Jr. here. Um, I mean, some may say yes, but it's indirectly forcing, I guess. You know what I mean? It's not intentional. It's as you're playing Van Halen 24-7. But it's so very, very 
very cool. And at the same time, too, uh, maybe I'll ask if it, it happened for you. Did, did your dad uh, learn some styles of music because of what you listened to? And, and did he like some of the music that you listened to that he would normally li- not listen to? Uh, I, I think he did because uh, me and him would talk a lot about guitar players, drummers, bass players, you know, who was better. Um, but, you know, his his thing of he would always uh, revolve everything around um Eddie Van Halen as far as just number one that's it yeah um, but yeah he started to get into some of the players uh that I liked as far as different country players uh Jeff Beck and he definitely uh got into Steve Morris and some Dream Theater stuff when I started listening to some more wow. instrumental stuff so uh that was good so I he introduced me to a lot of stuff when I began playing but I introduced him to a lot of stuff as I my styles and uh, my musical taste progress. Well, please tell him from us, say that uh, we think he's a very, very cool dude. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Grass Hunter says, Eastern Tennessee spawned some amazing talent, Trey Hensley and Chelsea, just to name a couple. What is it about that area and the people there? It must be just in the air. Maybe it's uh, the inspiration, the it's nature, it's just talent, right? It's in the gene pool, I guess. Yeah, the, I think there's a lot of great musicians in, in East Tennessee. It's, uh, it's, it's just the different area of the music around here in general. It's more based in uh, bluegrass, and you know how certain areas. Of course, Nashville is turning into a great um, uh, music scene as far as all styles. And sure. I've a lot down there, and I mean, there's some incredible musicians at every corner. Yeah, one of the people we talked about earlier, Billy Sheehan, I mean, he's moved from L.A., which was his main home, and, you know, wanted to change the pace, but, I mean, he's also, he's connected in the business in, in Nashville. Yeah, that's pretty crazy to hear all these guys moving to Nashville or have lived in Nashville for years, but it's it's really awesome, too, because I'm four or five hours away from it, so um, I'm glad that scene, as far as Nashville is getting the credit that it deserves and, and all the people down there are fantastic musicians that's right dave nassie another another player um i'm sure you're familiar with uh he's been on the show he's a friend of mine you know la type guy you know all the time you know with at least a session work and all that kind of stuff now it's nashville 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 um everyone's talking about it it's like it's where you want to be Oh, yeah, it's a busy place. Yeah. Uh, as I said, pretty intimidating because the musicianship. But. That's true. I know. I, that's that's why I would walk. I would want to go to the tourist attractions and hang my guitar hat at home because I would not even touch a guitar in Nashville. I don't even like going into music stores and touching guitars, but that's a story for uh, um, another another day. Here's here's yeah. a here's a trivia question that just popped up. I don't mean to interrupt, uh, but the, someone uh, I'm getting a text. Were you on the Prices Right? Yes, I was. Oh my God! Tell uh, me, tell me about that. I'm sorry that we're going into a non-musical direction, but that's pretty cool. Tell us about that. Uh, well, that was a uh, crazy experience. Uh, and again, another company I was working for, uh, Line Six. Uh, when I was doing demos out at the NAMM show, uh, I got introduced to uh, a guy named Tim Godwin. At the time, he was the rep for Line Six, and he uh, at the time. Uh, he called my dad and was like, do you think Chelsea would be interested in, in playing on the Prices Right, demoing a Laguna guitar with a, it was a little beginner pack amp type thing. And I was like, sure. <laughs> and I come up with something and flew out there and 
it was different though, you know, seeing all the behind the scenes, meeting, being able to meet Drew Carey and uh, play that demo out. And I remember when everybody was placing the bid on the product, they was wanting me to do this bar dive or squill and something between each bid. So it was different, but I had a fun time, which Tim uh, Godwin is also my rep for in, at Taylor now. Okay. Well, I guess that question originated from Mitch Hammond. Uh, so thank you, Mitch. That's hilarious. That's very, very cool. I had no idea. It's neat to learn these little trivia things. I was actually on the Bozo the Clown TV show as a kid. Do you remember Bozo the Clown? Oh, you, no. You're, you're, too young. you're too young. You're too young. It was it was kind of like the um, the the um, non-serial killer Pennywise, but and a real a nice clown, you know? <laughs> so picture that way. And I wanted okay. your supply of toys. So that was pretty cool. I had like spiral graphs and all this kind of stuff. But I don't really remember. It was back when I remember it was recorded and then played back on TV. And I'm watching with my sisters, black and white TV back in the day. And I was just a child. And I was uh, flabbergasted that I'm seeing myself on TV. And I'm like to my sisters, how can that be? I'm, I'm there, but I'm here. So I only three or four or something like that. It was crazy. But that's enough of the TV talk. Um, <laughs> so uh, going back to some of the questions over in the uh, chat, uh, Vintage Sound says, Chelsea, as the Equiplex, you're using the EP1. Uh, yes. Okay, very cool. Figured probably. Uh, Ron Padgett talking about speed says, yes, but Ingve says uh, more is more. And obviously he's just kidding. Uh, but yeah, Ingve, you know, there's no there's no governor when it comes to speed with that guy. Always got to be faster. Vintage Sounds also says, what is Kurt Mitchell up to these days? I think I've seen some advertisements uh, for Kurt Mitchell's stuff. You know, did the Van Halen method and all that kind of stuff. Uh, do you know what Kurt's up to? Um, it's been a while since I have uh, spoke to him uh, by phone. I, sometimes uh, him and my dad is actually pretty good friends. Oh, that's uh, cool. Um, but I, I speak to him uh, occasionally, and as I said, he was uh, uh, actually he was one of the first people that um, my dad filmed a VHS tape and, and sent off, and uh, he saw it, and he was. Uh, as I said, I watched a lot of his instructional things, and he kind of influenced uh, that side uh, on that part of my playing. Um, the, the last I heard, I believe he was in a tribute band and was teaching guitar lessons, um, but, but I, I don't know what he's doing here currently. I haven't uh, spoke to him in several several months yeah, but he's out there doing this thing. That's cool. I remember, yeah, I remember the Van Halen one. A lot of us had it was Van Halen cassette, IVHS cassette. It had a small little tab book that you know just fell out of the the cassette. It was pretty cool. I used that one a lot. Went over it quite a bit. Um, Les Bellin says uh, Steve Ray Vaughan, one of my favorites too. Um, uh, from Mitch again. Gary Moore still got the blues uh, main melody is uh, not fast but so powerful. Um, I- let me see here. Uh, Grass Hunter, is there something about the magical about the East Tennessee region? So, oh yeah, we kind of we kind of uh, 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 kind of touch base on that. Uh, Gino Ames is here. Nice to have you here, Gino. Uh, says, "Whoa, I finally made a live broadcast. Very happy to have you." Uh, we talked about the prices, right? Uh, let me see here. Uh, yeah, lots of people saying they like that. Um, Gino says, "I remember seeing Chelsea in a guitar magazine years ago. So cool to to learn she's." Uh, still going for it. Um, would that have been Guitar World? So, what was that? What was the spot that you were featured? I know you had a recent one again too, right? You've probably had a few. Uh, yeah, for my debut release uh, in the August issue, I had Steve Miller on it. Actually, nice. uh, done a write-up and interview on my EP, which is really cool. And uh, then on the Guitar World side of things, uh, me and my sister done a tribute to Jerry Reed for the Jerry's Breakdown, and they have posted that on the internet as well as Guitar World uh, shared an instructional, the Heart for, Heart for Teacher instructional on their Facebook, which was really cool. 
That's awesome. Well, first of all, just being in the in the print magazine as a guitar player, that's the dream we've all had, you know, like the, the elusive dream. So then you've had it several times. That is amazing. And and probably a out of out of body experience amazing for you, I'm sure. And then now for them to share with the the medium that they have that's so powerful to them, like with these guitar magazines online. Now we've got, you know, millions of uh, fans, you know, around the world that well, that just put you on the radar and now you just blow up. Well, a huge thanks to Guitar Player Magazine and Michael Melinda for making that possible and taking the time out to uh, interview me and uh, review my projects. So that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, Mitch says, every town had Bozo the Clown. And uh, Robert Apple says, I remember Bozo. I'm showing my age. Yeah. So we're obviously much older than you, Chelsea. So that's why you wouldn't remember. But, you know, the perfect example, you know, Eddie Van Halen wearing the No Bozo shirt. You've seen that one. Basically, that was Bozo the Clown. And, and it was just kind of a weird deal. But uh, it's, yeah. And a little, like I said, a little bit less serial killer than uh, Pennywise. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see what else we got in the chat there. Um, um, uh, Nocturnal Butterfly is also mentioning uh, we have a brand new line of merchandise available for everything from the EVH and Gear TV show here the Helix Hour Kramer Corner and our new brand Broadstash uh, that's at broadstash.com so thank you for that so we're getting close to the end of the program here and we're also getting close to the final quarter of uh, 2018 which is really sad you know I'm a summer guy and I love the summer and it's slowly quickly I guess I should say eluding us here what's next for you in the last part of 2018 obviously we talked you hinted at a little bit about the EP but you can recap that the new one coming and any other uh, plans you'd like to share with us well i got some very special videos coming up um unfortunately it has to stay under wraps of course. as well as part two and a single that's due out uh pretty soon um once i'm happy with uh playing on it um it's going to be coming out soon uh part two i'm wrapping up that and uh as i said i'd like to say more about it but it's all, it all has to remain secret. Yeah, that's fine. That's uh, obviously you have to keep things under wraps when there's, uh, you know, certain powers that be involved with it and time releases and press releases and all that good stuff. So we can appreciate that. We'll look forward to it. I mean, the best thing to do, I would say uh, for, uh, for everybody to do, there's three things you can do here. Follow the website, which is the link is in the description, subscribe on YouTube and be sure to turn on post notifications. There's, you'd be surprised sometimes how you subscribe to some of your favorite people like Chelsea and others out there. And you forget to hit that bell. And like, you know, we, we put out a new video and no one sees it. It's because you didn't, or at least you weren't notified about it. And sometimes even with notifications, you don't get notifications. It's just a weird thing with YouTube but you're certainly going to get a better chance of being notified if you are hitting that bell. So do that and also follow Chelsea's Facebook page, uh, which we have in the description as well too. Like that as well too. And I've, with those three places there, you're surely never going to miss out on, uh, on what she's doing. There's a couple last minute really simple uh, questions that we can probably get to here. Um, we'll take these and we're going to wrap up and uh, hopefully we're a nice warm up for your weekend, everyone. It's a pleasure to sit here and talk guitar, especially with someone as, as talented as Chelsea. Uh, Grass Hunter says fingers versus picks. So uh, I'm assuming it's a, it's the age old, age old question. You know, um, is there a preference for you? I'm assuming with rock guitar or electric guitar, you're going to be a pick person, but uh, maybe to share your love and hate of both. Uh well, I usually generally like to use both pick and pick and fingers. Um, I noticed that it seemed to, like to me there was this trend going on a while back of people. A lot of these, some of these newer shred guitarists using a lot of fingers in place of you know picking the picking technique, which I find very uh, weird. Um, just the fingers, I like to usually do that on uh, 
the classical type stuff if I'm doing that style. Um, picking, just holding down the alternate picking and, and trying to maintain that style and keep it clean as a everyday uh, practice regimen. And that's the frustrating thing with that is just keeping that clean and making sure everything comes out right. Okay. Well, well said. Thank you. Uh, so that answers Grass Hunter's question and a, and a follow-up from Grass Hunter. I think you may have alluded to this earlier, but it may not be the same place every time. Where do you record or where do you like to record? Well, I just finished up my own home studio, and me and my sister, she actually runs Pro Tools, the cameras and all that. And we've done uh, several of my videos that's went out for several different companies. Um so we're starting to record there and learn all the ins and outs for my newer stuff um, and her stuff as well. So it, it's nice to have a home studio where if you have an idea at 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, you can just go to your studio and not be rushed and not worry about anything and that- not have to bother anybody. But um, for, for my actual debut EP release in 2017, I worked with a... Uh, great wonderful producer he's also a two-time Grammy award winner uh, Martin Walters and uh, he was very kind and awesome through uh, all the project and was extremely helpful and still is on any studio related stuff uh, answering all the questions that I may have about Pro Tools crashing you know all that yeah. stuff so it's always great to have somebody like that around. Certainly. Well, I, I also want to let people know here tonight, that's the reason why we're not having Chelsea perform tonight. I would have loved to have had you play tonight, but I'm going to extend the open invitation that anytime the schedule works with you on a Friday night, uh, maybe towards the end of the year, and maybe even towards the end of the new EP, things like that, we have you as a follow-up come back on and talk about that. And I'd love to have you teach us all how to play Eruption and maybe some other really cool things here on the channel. Whatever you want to do, play some of your own work. Um, love to have you because it would be a real treat to uh, have some live performances from you so I'll, I'll certainly reach out and, and try to ref, uh, work that out where you could be at the studio and, and perform oh i'd be honored and um, thanks again so much for having me on oh um, our pleasure for sure a couple last minute comments here earl carter says great job on interview eric this was a good one thank you very much earl i appreciate that immensely uh nocturnal butterfly have a rock and we can everyone thanks so much for spending time with us um sean close got some uh, horns up and all the good stuff great show tonight from vintage sounds great show from grass hunter um adam and chelsea thank you much uh much for a thrill for me to see chelsea on here uh ron paget hybrid picking yes i like that term that's used a lot and uh, grass hunter thanks chelsea for all the great answers uh robert apple great show tonight thanks chelsea eric nocturnal i we know it we did it we're right at the uh the 90 minute mark this was perfect this went really really well i'm so happy to have you and i wish you the the best weekend uh, fantastic weekend don't go anywhere. I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. And uh, definitely, I know we're going to have a round of applause by having you back. So we'll work something to have you back and uh, do some rocking for us. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. No problem. Les Bell and Pierce Thomas, everyone, thank you so much. Have a fantastic weekend. Uh, no Helix Hour this weekend, but we are back the following week, next uh, week from the Sunday. Uh, Kramer Corner will be back as well this coming Tuesday. So everyone have a fantastic weekend. weekend. Be safe out there. Uh, be good to one another. And we'll see you next time right here on EVH and Gear TV. Cheers. Hey, EVH Gear TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book. 
there are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at EVHGearDiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.